Good morning, Trinidad and Tobago and the Caribbean and those that are viewing online. Welcome to another edition of Strictly Legal here at WESN Content Capital, your premier station. I am your host, Rondell Donoa, and I am an attorney at law. And of course, this program gives you legal matters. And we will have a plethora of guests that will be with us as well. And you will have an opportunity to call in, express your views, as well as ask your questions according to the discussions. Now, you have heard so much about friendly societies, which are a bit ancient, right? Um, of course, this has been around since the 19th century. And we often hear about friendly societies, building societies, the lodges, and we wonder what has become of them. Now, these are government regulated, as well as it can be considered an alternative to the banks. Now, to give us some insight as to what is the Friendly Society, I have with me a guest who is a registrar of the Friendly Societies and Building Societies Division of the Ministry of Youth Development and National Service. And he is also the chairman of the Friendly Societies Advisory Council. And this is none other than Mr. Farai Hof Masaisai, who is an attorney at law. And he will be uh, uh, discussing the Friendly Society. But before we come to him, uh, I just want to inform you guys that it is important that your legal matter matters. And of course, before we get to Mr. Masaisai, we will ask you to stay tuned after this break. And welcome back to Strictly Legal on WESN Content Capital. As I was speaking before the break, uh, what is a friendly society and what is their legal status? And I have with me the registrar of the friendly societies. Uh, that is Mr. Farai Hof Masaisai, who is an attorney at law. Good morning, Mr. Masaisai. Good morning, Mr. Donawa, and good morning to your viewers. And thank you for having me on your show. And thank you for coming to us at WESN Content Capital. And I'm sure this is not the first time we'll be seeing you, or the last time, sorry, we'll be seeing you here. I, I hope so. Yes? I hope so. Uh, now, tell Trinidad and Tobago, what is a friendly society? So, I am also the chairman of the Friendly Society Advisory Council. So fortunately or unfortunately for me, I hold two hats that one hat is for policy in the form of the advisory council. It is, an, it is a board appointed by the line minister and I am the chairman of that board. And, and that ministry the, is the Ministry of Youth Development yes. and um, National Service. So, so when I mm. was first appointed in June of 2020, I, I fell under the Ministry of Labor, obviously with the elections and of 2020, the, there was a realignment of the, the divisions, and now we fall under youth development and national service. Um, and, and it is good that we fall under that, because the, the nature of friendly societies now is that they, they, there is a sort of rejuvenation 
of friendly societies. Um, up to last week when the board met, we had a presentation from a new proposed friendly society. They, they call themselves the Young Leaders Friendly Society of Trinidad and Tobago. And um, they, they, yeah, so they, they made a proposal in terms of forming new, a new friendly society. So we, we have seen a resurgence in persons wanting to register it, register their, their format, their business, or, yes. or their, yes. their, their group as a friendly society. Um, but to answer your question now, Mr. Dunno, in terms of, um, can I call you Rundell? Of course. All right. <laughs> so to answer your question, Rundell, <laughs> in terms of what, what are friendly societies? Friendly societies are basically organizations that come together for a common goal. That common goal could be um, financial, it could be philanthropy, it could, it could, it could be nation building, all right? But there, there is that common goal. Um, the history of friendly societies is that they were born out of emancipation. Yes. In those days, um, there weren't banks or even credit unions. Um, so the friendly societies operated as a sort of thrift with emancipated slaves mm. in terms of getting property ownership. Right. Um, there were some stringent laws in terms of the amount of land that someone could purchase. And therefore, the friendly societies allowed persons to save monies and then purchase property. The friendly societies would purchase the properties and then sell on to their members. Right. So now that um, the friendly societies are now regulated and supervised um, yeah. through, the, uh, through the operations of the Societies Act. Yes. Uh, sorry, the Friendly Societies yes. and the Building Societies Act. Yes. Now, is it that the Friendly Societies and the Building Societies are two separate entities? Indeed. Indeed. So mm. the Building Societies are more closely aligned with banking services. So they offer mortgages, they offer loans to their members. Um, so they, right now we have two registered building societies, the oldest being the Trinidad Building and Loans Association. That has been with us since the 19th century. Right. Um, the act is actually a, a 19, eight, uh, 1890 act. Yes, so, that is what I was yes, looking at. So it's, it's a, very archaic, yes, actually. It's a, it's a very old piece of legislation. Yeah, um, and then we have the General Building and Loans Association. And, and, and these two entities, they, I, I do believe they have a, a, a very strong asset base. They have about 250 members between them. And they, they do offer, well, not traditional, but mortgage banking. Mortgage so banking. Mortgage. So, so they are also regulated by the financial regulations. Yes, the FIU well. does regulate FIU. them as well. Does um, FIU regulate the friendly societies? To a lesser extent. To a lesser extent. We, because most, most friendly societies presently are more in, akin with um, charitable works as opposed to financial services. So what you would have found back in the day before there were Clico, before there was Republic Bank, the friendly societies would offer the, the insurance policies, they'd offer debt benefits, they'd offer a lot of financial type instruments to their members. Um, it, it, they, ha they still do, and we still regulate that in the form of they, they, they would send, the, we, we would regulate their annual returns, as well as my department does um, auditing, yearly auditing of all friendly societies. Right now there are 47 registered friendly societies, and I would say uh, probably about 40 of them do still offer financial services in the form of insurance policies, policies. and so forth. Now, yeah. now walk us through, if, if a group of persons, now I saw any legislation, the Friendly Societies Act, yeah. where you need at least 35 members to incorporate a friendly society, yes. but seven executive members to write um, to, the, to the registrar Correct. Uh, of the intention to form the friendly society. Yes. Now, for someone who's listening um, or watching, walk us through this step as to 
how does one become registered? What yeah. is the process um, right. in registering a friendly society? Okay, so we, we are regulated by an act. The act is the Friendly Societies Act of 1950. 1950, yeah. And um, it's a procedure set out in the act. So what, what you do, you have to send in you know, your, your draft bylaws. We, we do have legal officers at the division. They can assist you in terms of drafting your bylaws to make sure that they are compliant with the act. Um, the nature of the registration process is obviously you have to do a presentation to the board as well because we, we have a board. Yes. Um, the board is made up of, member, of senior members of lodges as well as friendly societies. Um, they represent on the board. So it, it must be something that is in line with the whole ethos of each one helping one. That, I suppose that's not our, a susu. Well, it can, it can be a regulated susu right. because, as I said before, um, friendly societies started off as something like something akin to susu. So, you ever heard of susu lands? Yes, yes. Yeah, those, yeah, those, a lot of them right, those would have been under friendly societies initially. And then it would have been sold on to the individual members. Because but in those days, to own land, you had to purchase like 100 acres or 300 acres of land to be a landowner. So, that's how they curtailed the ex-slaves from owning land. So hence came in the friendly societies so that they could pool their wealth and purchase it in a bulk and then sell on to their individual members. So I, I wouldn't say that you can't have a susu mm. be in a friendly society, but it would be regulated. Regulated and not the bring to. C correct. Right. So, so we, we have it, we have we have um, independent auditors right. that work with the division and yes. they, they attend to the different friendly societies and yes. if, if your books are not in order, the registrar has the power to deregister your society. And when you are deregistered, your assets are basically liquidated by the registrar. And so so yeah. does the registrar of the friendly society as well regulate the asset base of the friendly societies? How do, no. they, how do these friendly societies acquire assets? No, they can. They can acquire assets just as a normal charity or a company acquires assets. So you can acquire assets in your own name. What you have to do is file your annual returns every year so that the registrar is aware of what assets you have and what liabilities you have. Obviously, if we see that you are doing something too risky, we are, we are empowered by the act to get involved. So we, we do get involved sometimes when there are disputes because mm. there are friendly societies and lodges who give loans to their members, and sometimes the members don't pay back. Um, the, re the registrar is seen as a sort of mediator to try to see how we can settle it amicably before anyone takes it to before the courts. The courts. And as yeah. you touch, I, I see you mention lodges. Is, mm. um, is that, is lodges fall, does lodges fall under your purview as well? Yes, yes. So lodges do fall under the purview of the registrar. Now, lodges have a longer history yes. in Trinidad than, say, friendly societies or building societies. And, and they are regulated by the Friendly Societies Act. And in terms of the policy development, um, they are members of lodges who are on the board as well. Okay, good. Yeah. And are friendly societies alternative to... Uh, banking institutions, so like and credit unions. So, like, say for instance, I want to save in a friendly society. Yeah. Can can I, as a member, um, invest my monies in a friendly society versus yeah, a banking institution? Yes, it happens all the time. Um, there are means, and it depends on which friendly society you want to join. Okay. So, there are friendly societies that. So, we have there's a PTSC friendly society. 
their membership base is the PTSC workers. Mm. All right, um, they 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 give loans to their members, they give um, insurance policies to their members, they give debt benefits to their members. So it, you you can invest as a, it is an alternative means to, to banking, but it is not as instantaneous as say banking or credit union. So it's more of a slow process of saving, slow and long term. And, and, right. and hence, hence you, you, our, I think our oldest friendly society is, it, it's still operational. It's on Henry Street in Port of Spain, and I think they were formed in 1890. Okay. You know, and they, they, they still give loans to their members. Their members invest in their friendly societies. They have a lot of property all over Trinidad. Um, so, yes, it, in, in terms of an alternative to banking, they do... Friendly societies do provide that for members, strictly for members. And remember, it's not open to the public per right. se. So they would know who their membership base are. So, so it's we a sort have of a secret, a secret society. I, I wouldn't say secret, mm. but they, they, they do cater specifically to their membership. So they, they are friendly societies that's, that are strictly Muslim-based. So they, they, it's based on Islamic principles and, and, and so forth. And the members recognize that. But it is beneficial to them. Okay. You know, um, so and, and they are ones who are Catholic based, who are Anglican based, who are Pentecostal right. based. You know, so they, there's always a base right. from which they, they pull their membership from. From so and and that base brings in the commonality. So it's a it's a, it's a strong network of individuals that come together for a greater purpose. Right. And of course, we would have discussed earlier that the act is quite archaic, which means that which means that. Um, the Friendly Societies Act is of 1950, and the, the Berlin Societies Act is, is of, of 1890. Yes. Now, tell us, what, are, what is the ministry, or by, by, by virtue of the government, what are they doing to amend the Friendly Societies Act? Is, is there an amendment that will take place? Because, of course, when I look at the penalties and, and, and certain yeah. areas of, and clauses of the Act, um, when you have penalties of $25 and certain things yeah. like that, it does not really... Well, no, I, I, suppose, I suppose the penalties are not so much the issue because at mm. the end of the day, the registrar has a lot of powers under the Act. Yes. All right. So the, I think what, what we are doing now in my division is that we are liaising with the Law Reform Commission in terms of bringing in some amendments, but the amendments would have to be based on consultation with our members. And of course, I, I, I mean, in my opinion, mm. I would think that one amendment can be to give the friendly and building societies more power and regulations to compete. Mm like to be an alternative to a credit union, so yeah. that you'll be able to now um, loan members um, and, and have big asset base yeah. so that they can compete and they can have their members um, benefit, Indeed. right, as they would with it, the banking it, sector. It, it, well, I suppose that, that, that calls for a lot of consultation <laughs> when, when you're talking about competing with the banking sector and that sort of thing. Well, as an um, alternative, because as you know, in terms of the banks, um, of course, all of us have banking accounts. Yes. Now, it, it's very tedious when you want to open an account versus Indeed. a credit union. Indeed. And I'm sure with a friendly society, uh, the documentation is less rigorous, yeah. right? And this is why a lot of persons will, will, will move towards the friendly societies. Correct. So, so at our last board meeting, we had a, an amalgamation of two friendly societies in the Maraval area. And, and one friendly society basically was aging and they had another generation of persons in the Maraval community, Moncoco Road, um, that wanted to not allow the aging friendly society to be deregistered. So what the, the other, and I'd say a generation of my age group did, 
they, they formed a new friendly society and amalgamated it with the old friendly society, which allowed them to keep the asset base of the older friendly society. And when you say so, deregister, deregister, you mean that um, what will happen to liquidate. the asset base? So if, yeah, if it's de someone the, 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 the unfortunate yeah. thing about um, deregistration is that um, yeah, you, you, the state takes over your assets in the, in the form of deregistrar. All right, and then we have to go through a very tedious process of um, liquidating the assets in accordance with the Act. And then it um, I, I read where it's distributed equally between uh, all, all existing the, all societies. The, all the financial members that are alive at the time of liquidation. All right, so it's not a nice thing to have to liquidate because the nature of these assets is that they have been accumulated over, in some cases, over a century. You know, so you, you wouldn't want to have to be selling all these assets. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's better to amalgamate. So yeah. I'm, I'm pushing more for amalgamation as opposed to liquidation and for the formation of new societies. So every registrar would probably have their own policies, but yes. my specific policy is to invite persons who are interested in so forming um, friendly societies. And the friendly societies can take the form of a charity. Mm -hmm. You don't need to give loans to your members. You mm -hmm. could just be there wanting to do philanthropy and help you in your community. Yes. Um, we would welcome you. Just know that you have to adhere to regulations. All right. So it's not a free fall, so to speak. Um, and, and even with the new um, NGO legislation that is going through now, there is a form of um, oversight. You know, so the, the oversight with, with friendly societies is basically the registrar's department. And um, Farai, uh, tell the, or explain to the viewers exactly how can they contact uh, the registrar department as well uh, to, to register a friendly society and how can they be able to, to go seamlessly through the process? All right, so, so well, unfortunately we don't have our, our own website at the moment, but you can get us through the Ministry of Youth and nation, national, youth and, yeah, and national, national service. service. Uh, we are a department in that ministry. Uh, we do have a, we, we, as with all ministries, we have a permanent secretary. His name is Mr. Farouk Hussein. And we have a deputy permanent secretary. Her name is Claire, Ms. Claire Williamson, yes. I believe. But um, in any event, the, everything has to be done through the ministry. Of course. All right. So once, once you want to register, you could send a, you could even send a letter to the registrar. Um, and we can make an appointment, we can have a meeting, we can tell you what we are about, mm -hmm. um, you can have a presentation to the board. Um, there are friendly societies that are willing to mentor new friendly societies. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yeah, it, it, it's something that you, you can get involved in if you want to get involved. If you want to get involved yeah. in. And um, I know we have just a very short time, and I want to digress a little bit. Mm -hmm. I know you are learned council, and of course on Monday there was the THA uh, election <laughs> and there would have been a deadlock. Um, legally, <laughs> in one minute, give us an opinion as to uh, how can the state or how can Parliament uh, uh, move forward in terms of breaking this deadlock legally, if at all? No, I suppose it, but in all things, there's always a way. Um, there was the 1818 in 2001. Um, so I, I suppose it will call for a very sober leadership. Um, and, and a form of mediation if, if they would like to get out of it amicably. Obviously, if there's not an amicable resolution, then they'd have to go back to the polls. That, I, I suppose the polls should be the last resort. You know, um, the, the two leaders should meet 
they should discuss and see where they can find some commonality in terms of governing Tobago. Um, but the, the people of Tobago have spoken, and it succeeds each. And, and do you um, think that the president has any power in terms of in terms of what happened um, in 2000 with the 1818 um, deadlock well, to choose one side over the no, other? No, well, constitutionally, the president does not um, have that power. But in they the are governed House by of the Assembly. Should be House of Assembly they, Act. That act, but. If it is that they, they choose a mediator or arbitrator, that then they, they will put their, their fate in, the, in those, that person's hands. Um, the president can act as a mediator. She's well trained. Um, but it is up to the leaders to decide. So there, there's always compromise. There's always room for compromise. Um, I, I, I wear another hat as the president of the Eloconia Foundation, Foundation yes. for Young Professionals. And my legal affairs committee, committee are doing some research around the issue and, and some of the preliminary research showed that there was a um, a tied presidency once in the United States. In that was in the 1800s. 1801. Yes. You yes. Know? Um, so in 1801 there was, but someone crossed the floor. Unfortunately, that person was was ex was murdered afterwards. But um, that, that's how they dealt with things in 1801. Let's hope Unless someone practically crosses the floor, because voting is by secret ballot, so only mm. the clerks may know who crossed the floor. Yes, <laughs> I know. But Mr. Masai said, Farai, thank you so much. I know the time has been yes. really short. Yes. We have to come back. You never know what could happen. We could probably come and talk about the, the, the THA more next week, because I'm sure this is a live issue yes, yes. That, will, that will continue. And of course, um, guys, you, will view, you are viewing Strictly Legal on WESN Content Capital. And we did have with us Mr. Farai Hofmasai, who is an attorney at law. He's also the registrar of the Friendly Societies um, Council and chairman of the Friendly Societies Council. And I want to thank you again, Mr. Masai. And of course, you can um, check out the Friendly Societies on the Ministry of Youth Development and National Service website. So this is a wrap on our another episode. Thank you so much for viewing. And it will be remiss of me not only as an attorney at law, but as, again as a, as a Calypsonian as well, um, to express uh, my condolences to the cultural fraternity um, on, the passing, uh, on the passing of our beloved singing Sandra, Sandra Devines Millington. She has contributed significantly to our art form and to the young persons in our society, including me. And I would like to express my sincere condolences uh, to her. This is indeed, indeed, indeed a, a shock to our community. And... With that being said, thank you so much for viewing, and next week will be another exciting episode of Strictly Legal on Thursdays from 10 to 10.30 a.m. God bless, and have a good day.